We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, good evening, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving from the field of 68. It is After Dark with Randolph Childress, with Terrence Oglesby coming to us from the Battle for Atlantis. We begin, though, down at the Fort Myers tip-off. Learn the name if you haven't already. Tyree Appleby hits a 30-footer as Florida beats Ohio State at the buzzer Gators were down a possession in the final minute and they score five unanswered. They win the Fort Myers classic. What a win for Mike White, who seemingly just is consistent despite all the roster changes. They had seven transfers and Randolph here. They are feast week champions. The Gators, one of the standout teams in college basketball thus far. This has been one of the rosters that have been rebuilt through the transfer portal. That's actually performing really, really well. I mean that they looked like they were they were under you know they were dead tonight and finished the game with five strong, including the bomb from Appleby to finish it. But they've completely with with C.J. Felder and Myron Jones and and Philandris Flemings. I mean they they built that roster through transfers and those guys played well for them tonight. It's a big move, a great win, and it's a lot of fun to watch Florida as they move through the season because over the past two years, Florida's been one of the top ten youngest teams in the country. Right. What happens? Mike gets tired of all these freshmen and young player mistakes. He goes and becomes one of the oldest rosters in the country. Uh, an excellent job. Another thing I want to say, too, not calling timeout at the end of the game. When, you know, coaches are thinking about, hey, I could set something up. I can manufacture some offense. No, sir. You've got old guys. Get it to Appleby. He's proven he can make good decisions in the clutch. Excellent coaching move by Coach White. And but a bomb by the point guard. And he's He's the quintessential transfer player. Move you, you change from what what was it, Cleveland State? You get yeah. to Florida, you kind of take your time, kind of finding your role. You have all those other guys that came in. They could look to him for, hey man, how should I approach this? Man, he's been great and a big time shot. And Ohio State got what they wanted at the end, but just kind of unlucky. Just kind of unlucky. Colin Castleton, a, a double double in this game. And, and for Florida to have the changes that they've had. And to be able to win this tournament, you know, Randolph, when you do this this early in the season, this this feast week, having been a player, both you guys, and and you've gone through these types of events, yeah, it's November, and maybe to the casual fan, they're like, God, it's so early. I don't think about this stuff until February or March. We think about it every single day at the Field of 68. As a player, Randolph, like, what is the importance when you do hoist a trophy during this week? It's a confidence builder now. I mean, from a team that's kind of been pieced together, you're finding guys, you you know, you're coming in, you don't know what to expect, right? Because, you know, you have to go through the adjustment as a player at this level. A lot of these guys are coming from different lower level schools. And so some, you know, Mary Jones came from, Myron Jones came from, you know, big uh, Penn State. So they've come from different leagues. Some coming from lower mid-major programs. So when you get up, we've seen some of these players struggle early. And Florida State, I mean, Florida's been able just to put it together early. And kudos to those guys. Kudos to Mike White and the staff. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a heck of a job to come out this early and win a tournament when not much was expected of you. When you've lost so much talent through the transfer portal, losing some of your highly rated kids, and then losing some to the NBA. And another thing, too, not just that tournament with Florida, but if you look back at the Charleston Classic, St. Bonaventure, that gives you affirmation that you right. belong. You go in right. there and you beat some high-level teams. You knock out Marquette. You knocked out a well-coached Clemson team. 
Clemson guy right here, no big deal. But you knock those teams out and you're a senior-laden team, you need that affirmation going forward because once you get to the tournament, and St. Bonaventure is good enough to make a second weekend, Yes. once you get to the tournament, you have those wins in November. In November, you think, well, it doesn't mean a lot. It's early in the season. It matters come postseason. This is when your conference builds its resume. Big East, prime example here in Atlantis. I mean, the Big East has been sensational here early. St. Bonaventure gets their confidence rolling. It, you think it's the beginning of the year, but it's really not. Everything's all-encompassing, especially when it comes tournament time. Randolph, it only took three minutes for Terrence to say Clemson guy right here. <laughs> Clemson guy, Field 68 guy. Huge Big East guy. Huge Big East guy. <laughs> uh, Florida 71, Ohio State 68. Let's look at the Buckeyes for a moment. They beat Seton Hall, uh, a Seton Hall team that, that beat a Michigan team that I got to say, compared to the night of that win to what I'm thinking right now, the Wolverines, there's certainly a difference in the thought process. That was nonetheless a good win for the Hall in that moment. Uh, Ohio State loses to Xavier. They beat Ohio, they beat Seton Hall, but tonight again, Liddell is a great player. What I'm noticing though early on in the season is Ohio State's backcourt pieces are, are, are just not consistent. And maybe that's something that Chris Holtman develops as the season goes on, but it is clear right now that it's EJ Liddell and who's the secondary and, and third scorer on this team. Because for the Buckeyes, that's a huge question that they have to answer if they want to be a second weekend team. Well, Michi's got to be good. He knocks down the game-winning game winning shot a couple of days ago. He needs to gather some kind of consistency. One of seven tonight, that's not going to cut it when you're relied on to be that second guy. Now, he came in early. He skipped his senior year in high school. Last year was a learning experience for him. But he's going to have to get a hold in a hurry because he's one of their more talented players. And Malachi Brenham has to step up, too. Ooh, he's, he's, a, he's Mr. Basketball in Ohio State. We all recognize his talent. But those two guys are struggling. They're like 34% and 37% from the floor. And that's not going to cut it. With a, a guy as dominant as, as, as Lindell is in the paint, their percentages should be higher because they're going to get open looks, right? They got to take advantage of that. They're too talented for this early struggle. Can I, let me ask you guys this. What's the balance this time of year of, yeah, he's got potential and, and here's what we have to do to get him there versus – Maybe this is just what this team is. Does that make sense? Like, maybe this is who they are. Like, what's that dynamic? Look at Michigan State. I mean, the big kid that they have down low, if if it uh, was it Marcus Bingham Jr., if right. potential was production, he'd be a top 15 player in the country, but it's not that. So you have to take him for what he is. Now, I talked to some of their assistant coaches. He's been terrific. He's grown as a player. He's grown as a person that uh, – learns to embrace the grind of what they're doing. But at the same time, like, you're kind of waiting for it. At some point, it's no longer potential. It's just who you are. And you only got four years in college. Right. And eventually, you got to turn that potential into something. I always say the guys take the biggest jump from freshman to sophomore year, Yeah, right? Because that, that's when you take the biggest jump. You should, uh, unless there's some, you know, you know, immature issues and things of that nature. But usually, because you get your first full offseason, You've gone through the years of freshman. You've seen the adjustments you need to make. You've gone through a full year. And then that, that following offseason, you should be more com comfortable in you know, what's being asked of you. You know what you're getting into. Your body should fill out a little bit more. You should hit the weight room. The physicality shouldn't bother you as much. And so when guys don't take a big jump this second year, then you, know, you need to raise your eyebrows a little bit. And then beyond that, then you got to really wonder. Man, I'll tell you what, though. In the midst of all the changes that Florida went under in the offseason, yeah. a yeah. huge kudos to Mike White for getting this team to play this well this early in the season. Flanders Fleming, who's on the all-name team in this sport, has 19 <laughs> points tonight for the Gators. You think about Castleton, Fleming, they've got length. And I was talking with Bill Raftery about this earlier in the season. He said, man, you, you walk in, you look at Florida this year, and you say, who are these guys? You know, that's they, they really embody what the sport's all about, but and the way the sport's changed. But in the midst of change, this goes back to, man, not every coach could could get guys to play this collective as a unit this quick in the season. 
And I kind of think down in Gainesville that, that Mike White doesn't get uh, enough credit because uh, he's won a tournament game each year he's been at the helm. Yeah, he's been excellent. But if you look at the makeup of their transfers, Fanta and RC, like they've got two players in Brandon McKissick from UNK, UMKC and Flanders Fleming Jr. They were both defensive players of the year in their conference. So they're bringing a certain type of intensity to that program right off the jump. So you know what kind of player you're getting. I will say this, whenever you dive this deep into the transfer portal, there's not as much guesswork involved. You know what you're getting going in, especially when you're bringing in grads, seniors, things of that nature. But you're absolutely right. It still takes time. And there was an article coming into the system where it was like, well, we understand that we're not going to average the 20 points that we have. And that, it's, it's, a, it's easy to say that during the offseason. It's really easy to say that during the offseason. But when season comes around and guys are like, hey, man, I need my tick. I need to get in the game. Where's mine? Mike's been able to kind of push that, push that off to the side because they've had different guys lead them in scoring on several different occasions. Hmm. I think the biggest thing is being able to build that roster up. It's just experience, right? That's the, the biggest advantage of being able to, you know, having Trey Mann and those young guys, paying those younger players to come in and either go pro or transfer out early, wanting something different for whatever reason. But when you bring in veteran guys now, you you have a better idea. You know what they are. So you're just kind of plugging them in as like a free agent almost saying, hey, you know what, this is what you do. This is what opportunity I provide for you. You can come here and maybe do it on a larger scale, on a, you know, on a bigger scene. So I think that's what the guys are doing. They brought in. And kudos to him. He's identified the talent, right? Two defensive yeah. players of the year motor guys you know you know we talked about that before i mean cj felder was a guy that played really hard you know even at bc well coached program they weren't very successful but he played really well for him mm. what a moment for the florida gators top seven players are transfers tyree appleby the hero gators four myers tip off classic champions okay it's time that was our headliner <laughs> it's time for What's going on in the Bahamas with Terrence Oglesby? What is going on in the Bahamas, Terrence? It was an incredible first two games. I will say this. Michigan State, they just battled and battled and battled, overwhelmed them on the boards. Malik Hall was terrific, nine of nine from the field. And that last play call to Marcus Bingham Jr. eventually, like being bigger and more athletic helps. That's like, it just got, even on broken plays, and I think it was a little bit of a broken play, boys. And they figured out a way to fix it. It was an excellent pass by Ty, Tyson Walker. But I will say this, RC, you know this. Drew Valentine, if people don't know his name already, this guy can coach. And I will say this, if you let Loyola Chicago move that ball from side to side, if they get to their second or even third side offense, I don't know how you guard them because they've got guys everywhere that can shoot or dribble pass and shoot. They're skilled all over the place. Look at my man back here in a hazmat suit. Just absolutely. He's cleaning up. I don't know what I'm inhaling right now. <laughs> like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. Literally. My man is over there in a hazmat suit. Uh, but I will say this, Michigan state figured it out. They're tough as nails. Was I mean, a, wait, hold on. Was that Adama Sonogo? He was, he, he, he was here earlier. Got, and, and we have tragically uh, what's the, overestimated his height, but we'll get to that. We're not talking about that right now. But Michigan State, Michigan State figured it out, man. They were tough. Uh, UConn, so many shot makers, so many shot makers. I, I mean, they're bringing even Jalen Gaffney, who you kind of wonder like when he's going to kind of take that next step and be a be a guy that they can rely on to get into the paint and make the right decision. But I love the makeup of this UConn team. Obviously, Sonogo is terrific. He's about 6'7 and a half, 6'8. He's not 6'9, 260 or whatever Doster says he is. He's not that big. <laughs> but he's strong as an ox. And he might be one of the better players in the country, Fanta, at playing with leverage. He attacked, uh, he attacked Auburn's chest all night. He got on top of him. I don't know how he got that floater over Walker Kessler, but it was consistent. And we're not even talking about some of their other guys. Uh, was it Tyler? Tyler? Tyler Pauly was terrific. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, you hyped him up a little bit. I, I was big on him. I was big on him early. Yeah. I said that. I, but, but I told you, I recruited him in high school, so I knew how talented he was. You know, he didn't play early, but he—if he's making shots for them, you add him to the mix, and man, they're going to be so tough to beat. You know, here's the thing: as I'm watching this game, and let's dive into UConn Auburn a little bit more. Game of the day. I mean, first, 
first and foremost, double overtime, 115 to 109. Auburn could have lost this. They could have quit. They could have quit. Right. They did not quit. And UConn could have won this game probably five or six different times. Then Auburn could have won it two or three different times. The shot making this game, you know, somebody tweeted, Mike DeCourcy, who's a great, great friend, great reporter, he said, these games are not the equivalent to March because in March when you lose, your season's over. Let me tell you something, though. I agree with that take, but the game felt a lot like a March type of game. And, and 115-109, to see that on the board was, was amazing. I got to tell you, out of all the things I saw today, I came away thinking, damn, if Jabari Smith is in my region in March, I am scared. Yeah. Because Bruce Pearl, <laughs> Bruce Pearl with a defense length, Smith's ability to just go on an island and say, I'm going to make things happen. I thought he willed Auburn back into the game. And it, it wasn't just him. Katie Johnson – that dude is – he runs on nightmare fuel. That right. dude's an insane person. Like, he is diving on the floor. He's talking to people up in the seventh row that don't even know what game they're watching, like talking trash to us on the side. Like, he was incredible. He stole two tips. He stole the overtime tips, turned them into layups. They get down five. He runs the length of the floor, gets a layup, gets a steal, sets them up to put them in the second overtime. His grit uh, – Doster tweeted it out earlier. He is built – in a lab for Bruce Pearl. I mean, tough, hard-nosed, a little freaking crazy. Just a little freaking crazy. Well, he might be a lot crazy. But, man, did he play hard. And it, it was like, I will say this, KD was terrific. But on UConn, and RC, I'll let you take it from here, because I'm going to ask you about this. How nice is it to have a senior point guard that just kind of settles your squad when there's other teams that just make runs? And, and it, it make runs – in the, in the way that Auburn does, with all the emotion, with all this thing, all the fanfare, Bruce is going crazy. His head's about to pop off. His face is so red. Like, having R.J. Cole, he was solid in the face of adversity pretty much all night. They turned it over. It was fine. He didn't get rattled. They're up there fouling him. Je Zeb Jasper was playing an excellent defense. He's calm. Doesn't bother him. As a coach and as a player, I'll ask you both ways. How nice is it to have somebody that you can rely on like that? That's why we're so high on this team, right? Yeah. I mean, with Sonogo, you know, dominating the way he did inside. I mean, I mean, you know, we have to give him credit. RJ Cole was just, was just, I mean, if they're going to go anywhere, he's going to be, the, the, you know, ultra piece of yes. taking him there, right? He has to be the, you know, the focal point of getting there. Uh, but the scary thing is about that team today is the only knock I can say on UConn, I thought they would have won the game easily had it not been for the turnovers. Now, we got to give Auburn credit for that. They got after him, right? Sonogo mm. had eight of them himself, but 24 Trump. I mean, they shot nearly 50% from the floor. I mean, they almost had a, a 50, 40, 90 game offense. And you wouldn't expect the game to be that close when you're playing that efficient. But when you, you know, you give up 20, you turn it over 24 times. I, that's the only thing to make me wonder if they, these two teams play each other and the turnovers aren't as high, what would the outcome be? As, as hard as Auburn plays, they give them credit. They junk it up. And like mm -hmm. you just said, I mean, they're, they're, you know, Katie Johnson, I mean, a dog. I mean, he just, Oof, you know, that layup. I, I actually thought that the layup that he finished to put in the second overtime was an and one. I thought it should have been, a, I thought he got, you know, bodied yes. underneath. And I thought it could have very easily been an and one and changed the outcome of the game. They very easily could have won that game on that call. If I was, when I saw it, I still watched the replay, think they could have called an and one. All right. Here's my state of the Huskies. Big observation. On this Wednesday night, <laughs> I'm taking the glasses off. Glasses off, we're here. here. It's serious. Here we go. <laughs> to everyone in stores and in the state of Connecticut, Dan Hurley has his best team. Ooh, I like wow. that. This is his best team. Wow. You, you just beat a team that could end up being a, a dark horse, make an Elite Eight, be there in the Final Four. That Auburn team's really good. You had Tyrese Martin foul out of this game. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that's going to hurt them in overtime and double overtime. Like, can they, cause they just put Tyrese Martin on an Island and they said, Hey, you're going to make things happen. And he did in regulation, he falls out of the game and they did not stop still finding ways to score the basketball with UConn. You're, you know, you know, one thing, Dan Hurley's going to just be tough. 
He breeds toughness. UConn has a toughness defensively. It showed in the second overtime. How many teams would be drained? How many teams would be giving up open shots? UConn didn't do that. Auburn's talent is off the charts. And Bruce Pearl ran some really good stuff. UConn won the game because they racked up three stops in a row in the second overtime, and they said, we are not going to let up. Dan Hurley's got his best team in his tenure thus far, Connecticut, because they are a team. Mm -hmm. R.J. Cole looks like a guy who now is in his second year in the Hurley system. Jordan Hawkins benefits because he's on a roster that has a lot of veteran power. Jordan Hawkins is really talented, but it's hard to come in as a freshman and deliver solidly in the scoring column. He benefits because Cole can stir the drink. You have to account for Martin. And damn, you have to account for Adama Sonogo, who looks like he could be a dark horse, all-American candidate this season. Adama Sonogo had 30 points against Auburn earlier today. 30 mm-hmm. points, a 30-burger. The Yukon Huskies have what it takes to go deep into March. I was not sure about that heading into this game. I now sit here and say, those teams have some dogs. That team has some dogs. And, man, they are a fascinating group to monitor going forward. As we get into our first guest of the evening, he was just the hero for the Florida Gators who win 71-68. to We are going right down to Fort Myers because Tyree Appleby hit the shot of the night and is the hero for the Florida Gators. He's, uh, we'll get him here in the, in the right direction here. We appreciate the Gators <laughs> It's happened here with us on Field of 68 after dark. If you, if you guys could just uh, flip the, the Zoom camera. You're, right now you're a little uh, – Thank you very much, guys. There we Tyree go. Tyree Johnson, <laughs> Terrence Oglesby, congratulations. Uh, what was that like, my friend? Final possession of the game to have that look and to have it go in. What's going through your mind? Uh, it was really, you know, we got – I looked up at the clock, you know, checked the clock to see how much time we had before we had about, I think, four seconds. So, you know, give me a little, uh, give me an estimate of three dribbles, you know, and just, you know, the shot just, it came, it felt, it felt, it felt regular coming off and it felt good. So, you know. Ari, how difficult has it been for you guys? You guys have had so many transfers and this is a big tournament. No one was expecting you guys to come in and win this tournament. We were talking earlier about the transfers and how you guys, you guys have just come together so quickly, and that's not easy to do with so many moving parts. What's been the key to that for you guys? Um, everybody bought in. Everybody bought into um, our uh, strategy, you know, what we need to uh, do to win. Coaches, you know, they preached us, you know. We um, we have a lot of weapons, you know, on our team, you know, offensively, of course, but we, um, we want to be known as, like, a defensive team. So that's all we do, preach defense, you know. Even if uh, we're going through tough times like we did today, you know, we just – coming together, you know, came in the huddle, just talking about picked up our defense, you know, picked up intensity, and we came out with the win. Let me ask you this. You've been there. This is your second year there. Yes, sir. Talk about Mike's or Coach White's faith in you to make the right decision at the end of the game. You got the ball with about five seconds left. He doesn't call timeout. He sees you get the ball in your hands. Talk about what it's like to play for a coach that gives you that kind of trust and respect towards the end of the game. We we love it. You know, I think all our players, all our players love our coach. You know, he's so transparent with us. You know, he listens to us. You know, we listen to him. But I think all of us, he just believes in you know everything that we do. Um, we got down about ten. You know, early in the uh, second half. You know, he got in the huddle. You know, he wasn't pressured. He wasn't you know yelling or anything. He just told us you know, like guys, we're gonna win this game. So you know putting that trust, you know, in us, you know, we had that faith in him. So, you know, we love playing for coach. What's the ceiling? What's the ceiling for this team? Uh, I think our ceiling is high. I think, I think tonight, you know, we didn't, we didn't play up to our standard at all. You know, we had, uh, you know, a couple, a couple plays, you know, where we were out of character and everything, but I think uh, defensively we picked it up. Um, You know, Colin, CJ, Flan, B. McMurray, you know, they came in and gave us big time minutes. Uh, Anthony, you know, we just needed all our guys tonight, and they performed. We came up, we came up big. Tyree, I find it fascinating that the the top seven players on this team 
are all guys that have transferred into the program. How, how do you guys get that level of sacrifice to all be coming together and make this work down in Florida? How does that happen? Um, I think it started in the summer. You know, when we came, um, everybody, coach called everybody, you know, and for the summer session, you know, I think uh, once everybody got on campus, I think we clicked instantly. Everybody bonded. Everybody loves to play for each other. Uh, nobody's selfish, you know. It's all we always like, you know, next play mentality or, you know, just everybody's picking one another up. So I think we don't have, you know, one selfish bone in our body. You know, we bought into the game plan, and I think we can just continue to do that and keep building. Did you know the shot was good when it left your hand? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, most definitely. It felt good. It felt good coming on my fingertips. Did you have any idea how far away you were? You just heaved it up, or you really you get you think you got that kind of range consistent? Yeah, 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 most definitely. You know, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a couple of shooters on this call right now, so I'm trying to figure out where you rank right here. You know what I mean? If it's you, if it's John, if it's To, like trying to figure out where you rank from a shooting standpoint on this call right now. Yes, sir. Hey, Tyree, that Thanksgiving meal is going to taste a little bit better. Tomorrow, give us your – what's your dream play tomorrow? What's on your Thanksgiving play? What are you loving, man? Okay, okay. my dream play, we're going to go with ham. Um, we're going to go with uh, dressing. Um, we're going to go with turkey, macaroni, uh, spaghetti. And then, you know, for dessert, you know, for dessert, I got to get the sweet potato pie. I only, I only eat the one my grandma Sweet potato pie. I only get the one my grandma Hey, I'm with that. What's your grandma's name? Uh, grandma and Bobby. Hey, shout out to grandma. That that's sweet. That's that that stands in a class of its own. So did your game winning shot tonight, Tyree. Yeah. Apple, congratulations. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Thank you, y'all too. Thank you too. It's the number. It's the number. The twenty. All good things happen with that. Uh, yeah, that was mine too. You just, that was mine too, RC. Coincidence, but it's the number. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. There he is. Tyree Appleby joining us. Thank you to Florida for supplying uh, Tyree, the hero of the Gators here tonight. Man, don't you just see the Florida culture rub off right in that conversation? Oh, he talked about the summer. I think that's the biggest thing, too. Like, a lot of people overlook the summer, the COVID summer, where guys didn't come into the fall. It took longer to, like, get guys – into their culture. You saw a lot of these teams that took a lot of new bodies like the Dukes and the Kentuckys. It takes a while to implement what you're trying to do and set your standards. Man, Mike's done a great job. He's done a great job down in, down in Gainesville. Just complete buy-in. I mean, that's just what you get. You got a bunch of veteran guys coming in there, no agendas, everyone checking the egos at the door. And, and it's, they just was rewarded. I mean, they just, let's just call it what it is. They got rewarded for the culture that's already there. Because really, your culture changes almost every year. I mean, only one person that was there to, you know, to keep it consistent is Mike. And kudos to him and, and his staff for, for keeping that culture there and, and getting these guys to buy in. Florida, a winner over Ohio State in the Fort Myers tip-off. Let's turn to our big question of the evening here on the field of 68 After Dark. Don't worry if you're a Memphis or Virginia Tech fan or you're watching that game. The moment that the final, we will break that game down. We have something to dive into with Memphis. Jeff Goodman asked us at Goodman Hoops, if you haven't seen it yet, who are you most worried about right now in college basketball? These four teams, I'll tee you up, Randolph, Michigan, Oregon, Florida State, or Illinois? I'm worried about Oregon. And, uh, you know, we, we, we talked last, you know, last week, you know, when they lost to BYU. You know, he was like, okay, maybe they'll respond. Uh, they shook their lineup up, right? They, they implement, you know, they, they started Frank, you know, Frank Kepnick, and then Quincy Garriott was there. Those two guys are defensive guys and rebounds. Collectively in the last two games, Quinn Garriott has two, and Big Frank has three. That's and good. they're not offensive guys. So if they're not rebounding and defending, Oregon's in trouble. And I don't know where their offense is going to come from. Will Richardson has struggled coming out. We thought he was going to have a monster year. He's just about 10 points a game right now. I don't know where their offense is going to come from. And they're not rebounding. 
You know, they put this lineup in recently, this bigger lineup in the rebound of basketball, and they're still not doing that. So they're, they're struggling. They look like they don't have an identity right now. They don't know what their team is supposed to look like, and they're all over the place. Fanta, it hurts me. Me and RC, we're ACC guys. <laughs> it hurts me. Pac-12 and the ACC has not been great here in the no. early going. No. And it hurts me to say it. I'm ACC to the core. Also yeah. huge Big East guy, side note. But <laughs> ACC has struggled. And Syracuse, and I say this with all due respect, because Bayheim has had some great players. He's had a lot of great teams. He's had a lot of great athletes. And he's got a lot of really good shooters on this team. It might be the most unathletic bunch he's ever put on the floor. They're not playing Benny Williams a ton of minutes. He's their best athlete. Gerard hasn't been able to find it, and they're slow. And we talked a little bit in the ACC preview, RC, like who is going to be able to break them down, break defenses down, and get into the paint? And we talked about, well, you could come off a down screen and you can curl it. Well, they're not doing that either. So how are they going to get into the paint and create help for all these shooters? They don't have it. No. Kadori Richmond was going to be that guy. He was. for Seton Hall. Gerard, I, I, I'm just kind of waiting for it to happen. It just isn't. And, I, and I'm, I'm hoping that it does. The, 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 transfer, uh, the transfer point guard from uh, Marquette, he doesn't play that much because he's not an outside shooting threat. So, no. like, can he get into the lane a little bit? Sure. But they don't have anybody to set up all these 40% three-point shooters. And they've got four of them on the floor and a lot. Like, there's a lot of guys that can really shoot the basketball. Right. But the 2-3 zone, you're always going to be susceptible to the offensive rebounds. And if your bottom wings of that 2-3 zone are not big-time athletes, you're going to have a lot hard time in today's game covering all that space that you need to cover. So I worry about Syracuse for that reason alone. They're well, big, sure. They're not athletic enough to really cover as much space as what they probably need to. I think they have to add, they have to add Benny in and play him to. alongside with Jesse Edwards. It, at least you're not going to – I don't think they're going to score as much as we would, would think they will with the amount of shooters they have. But if one of those guys get going, you can do that. They need better rebounding and defense. And Benny gives them a shot-blocking ability with Edwards that at least would allow you with that defender, that wing coming down with that length to take away and negate, get the three-point shooters on, you know, on the baseline. They need to play Benny more because if not, you know, Cole West Swider is too small. I mean, he's just not big enough. He's not athletic enough. That zone, they're just standing there flat-footed. They look like a bunch of guys that just want to get the ball and go and score on the other end, not guys that's ready. They used to be so active in that zone, getting steals. You wouldn't dare skip the ball against that zone. You wouldn't do any of those things. No. And then now they're just standing there. It's not much length. They're not much activity. There's no deflections. Uh, they need to come up with a way to make some type of change. They're going to have to tweak that lineup. But Benny – Benny Williams has to play alongside of Edwards to give them some length and, and, and shot blocking ability. And it was even more exacerbated by VCU's athleticism. And look, th this, VCU, th this VCU team, super athletic. I mean, crazy athletes all over the board. Excellent athletic team. They played really hard defensively, but this is a team that just lost to UT Chattanooga not a week ago. Right. And UTC is very good. But it's a SoCon team against an A-10 team. I'm not no, – no SoCon slander here. No SoCon slander. But that's a game the VCU traditionally would win. They're missing two of their best players, and they still find a way to beat Syracuse in a low-scoring affair. If you're going to play those four guys together, it's almost like you have four of the same puzzle piece. And it's like they can't figure out ways to get each other open. I mean, Buddy dribbles right, spins back, dribbles left, spins back, turnaround jump shot. He makes them. But if you don't play that lineup, you better score 80 points. And that's what worries me the most. Well, Gerard is a kid that does it as well. He looks for space when he plays, right? He mm -hmm. wants to get space to shoot his jump shot. He's not looking to penetrate to find guys to play like your traditional point guard, right? He's looking for space to shoot. He's not looking to create for others. They don't have that. So unless they're going to create that in their style of playing their offense, to me, they're better off spreading you out. You know, and, and try to take it, you know, take advantage of some mismatch when they go, when people play them and maybe go more ball screens. But you can't because you don't have a ton of guys that can come off a ball screen and make a play either. So I, they're kind of trapped. They're, their guys are too similar. They got too many of the same guys, whether they're six feet foot one or six foot eight. 
They're the same. All the same puzzle piece. Yep. We're saying the exact same thing. Saying the yep. exact same thing. They didn't score a single bench point tonight in the game. Um, but let, let's let's call a spade a spade. The Orange right now are performing at an unacceptable level by that program's standards. To give up 100 points to Colgate and follow that up with a loss to a VCU team that really isn't that good. I mean, let's face it, VCU has been absolutely hobbled by some significant injuries. Uh, That team beat St. Peter's by three points, nearly lost the game to a Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference team in their season opener. Syracuse... When you don't have the athleticism and the length to impose your will on the court, the 2-3 zone doesn't amount to a whole lot, as you brought up, Randolph. And you can't just make up for maybe a lack of knowing who you are in November with your athleticism and your explosive ability out of one or two players. And the fact is, when, when you don't have – this is a time of year – where actually sometimes you might have more bench points than what you'll have in January or February because you're still trying to figure out what your team is. I think right. it's a discouraging sign that they don't have a single reserve right now, and that's why they you're exactly right. they got to get Benny Williams involved in this equation more. I mean, you can't have him playing 17 minutes when Swider's playing 36 minutes tonight. He shot two for 14 from the field. Right, right. I mean, this is this is not a good – this is – look, the, the twist is the Orange are well on track to having a mediocre regular season, sneaking into the last four in and going on an Elite Eight run. Uh, I'm just kidding. But the point is this has been a tough start to the year for a team that I think we thought could be, could be good, certainly good enough to beat Colgate and VCU. And you think to yourself, you're supposed to be sitting in a position where you get a shot at Baylor tomorrow night. Now you lose, and you're facing an Arizona State team that, frankly, isn't very good, and you're in a really tough predicament right now if you're Syracuse. I'm going to twist this as well, okay? I think right now that there's an argument to be stated that in the midst of all of this ACC sort of slow start, Florida State barely wins tonight, um, North Carolina looks like a, a very good team, they're not at a level where I say they're a great team. They don't they, guard anybody, Fanta. They don't, they don't guard, guard anybody. Like they they, they the first game, I spoke about game they, shows some effort. They don't. They don't give any effort. They don't. They don't give any effort. But here's the thing: they have athletes um, that other ACC teams, frankly, don't have. So they're yep, going right. to win ACC games solely off the talent they have. You know what? This is all playing into my point. The ACC has a clear champion. The Duke Blue Devils in Mike Krzyzewski's final season, are going to benefit off all this because they're in a top-heavy league, a league that has a ton of uncertainty in the middle and the back end of it. Duke has this lined up on a silver platter to be a team that's a one or a two seed that doesn't face a whole lot in the ACC and that can go into March Madness in top form and kind of ready to go. First of all, Fanta, excellent transition. Great work. Second of all, you're absolutely right. It, it, this is a year where you, you we're sitting here, we're watching a little bit of Virginia Tech and Memphis. Virginia Tech doesn't have that kind of star power. Duke has looked tremendous. It's entirely possible that they get through the entire conference season, two, three losses, two, three losses. I'm not going to say they're going undefeated because this is basketball. It's not football. You're going to have nights where you just don't have it. Like that happens. That's the reason March Madness is so great. You're just not going to have it. But, I mean, the talent there in Durham is Overwing and the biggest surprise to me, RC, has been Wendell Moore. He's been terrific. I mean, he has finally embraced third and fourth fiddle role. And what's happened because of it is he's been able to find creases for his own offense. He had a triple double against Army, he's been an ultimate distributor. He was a game changer in the opening game against Kentucky, and he just continues to be the best defender on the floor. Guys, you noticed about Duke, though. The one thing I will say, I think right now we're a little ahead of it. I, I think they're it's easy to say that now, but they're going to get everyone's best shot. The other thing they're going to have to deal with is the distraction of knowing this is Coach K's last year, and if anything else happens within that team, can they overcome that? I'm still yep. – I'll I tell you what, I still want to see. I still want to see Duke when people begin to scheme. Yes. See, right now when you play these games and they're going to play, you know, Friday we got a great matchup. I know we're going to talk about they're just going man-to-man. They're going to play you. 
But as they get in the conference and there's a level of familiarity, we get through these MTEs when you just don't have a lot of time to prep, right? Mm-hmm. And they get into the regular season and people been, begin to scheme them. I want to see how they respond because I still worry about Duke's ability to make threes. You know who I, will I think they're incredibly inconsistent, and I worry about that. And I think that's somewhere, like, again, like a team like – we're talking about Syracuse. If Syracuse adjusts their zone and kind of sit back and, and start – and start scouting in their zone, saying, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna let. I'm gonna let To shoot, or I'm gonna let John shoot. I'm gonna sit back. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> let, let that. Let... I don't know yeah. if I do that. Hey, <laughs> but hold on a minute. They, they didn't make shots against Kentucky. They didn't make perimeter shots against Kentucky. But Kentucky man, and they allowed them to get in the paint. I think if you cushion and you back off, I'm. I, I think when I'm saying when you start scheming them and you start saying like, as great as Paulo Pacaro is, as great as he is, if he's shooting threes, he's doing you a favor." Right. I'm going to wall up on Mark Williams. We're right. Wendell Moore's playing. He's playing. I'm so happy for him and his family. He is playing absolutely great basketball. Can he consistently do that when ACC time comes around when it matters? All right. We still worry about the point guard position. What are we going to get out of Jeremy Roach night in the night? There's still some question marks that when they get into the season, what's the depth? The other thing is the bench. I mean, outside of Griffin right now, coming from the bench, what are you most concerned about coming from the bench there they have they have their flaws some uh, i think right now i think it were too early to give them the, the acc championship right now i think they're going to have some struggles and when someone schemes them and you know when they watch that scout and they're going to come around and everybody's gonna implement that there's enough talent to overcome it but i just don't think they're clear cut above everyone else right now so who's i think their they're biggest, better who's their biggest obstacle then I think Florida State will cut their rotation. I think Florida State's problem is right now they're playing in that 12, 13-man roster like they've always done. I think they'll cut their roster then because they're getting caught in switches now and their guys are getting beat off the dribble that they didn't usually do in the past. So I think teams like that, you know, Carolina's going to beat up. They, they have the athletes to throw at Duke to continue to play in that. So I think those two teams, let alone, can do it. And again, when I say scheme, I think some of the lesser talented teams are just going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to live with Jeremy Roach shooting. I'm going to hope, you know, Paulo shoots threes. We're going to wall up, keep Mark off the glass. Wendell Moore isn't a great shooter. So if he, you're going to live with saying, hey, there's certain guys on that team you're going to have to live with and say, hey, you're making threes, you're going to beat us. If you're not, let's just stay between our man in the basket and rebound. And you, you know, do that for 40 minutes. You know who else will really scheme and could give them problems? They're playing Memphis right now. Yes. Mike Young is terrific. You want to talk about somebody who will scheme his tail end off and yes. put his guys in the right position? Virginia Tech's got the guy that will figure it out, and he's got the bodies but, to do but it. Virginia, Virginia Tech's not winning the ACC. I got him second, Fanta. And well, you never well, know what's well, going to happen. They're, they're not beating Duke for the Atlantic Coast Conference title. If they're second, that's a bad sign for the ACC, in my humble opinion. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably but, right. I mean, the ACC hasn't been showing out exactly. And some of the guys that are supposed to be good, i.e. North Carolina, i.e. Virginia, i.e. Florida State, they haven't shown to be that great either. What you are getting for Virginia Tech is solid, and they're not going to drop some of those bottom games that Duke has been susceptible to in the past. Sure. To where they go in and they sleepwalk into the game, and then Duke ends up getting beat uh, on the road at a uh, arbitrary situation, on the road at a Wake Forest, struggle to beat Boston College up in Chestnut Hill. That could be an issue. But you know who, who else is scheme really well? Gonzaga's going to scheme really well. Yep. Gonzaga's going to scheme really well, and we're going to have a heck of a matchup. How you like that transition, Fanta? I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do <laughs> some of your job, baby. I'm trying to be like you one day. <laughs> well, look, hey, I, no, I'm trying to be the shooter that you are. I, I find it interesting <laughs> that you are literally sitting about four feet from the corner where there should be a basketball that's placed out there for you to, to start getting some shots up in the Bahamas. Right. Well, instead, they got hazmat man over here about to get me to pass out. <laughs> Let's turn to Memphis. Let's turn to Penny Hardaway. Uh, they were tied tonight with Virginia Tech. And then the Memphis Tigers go on a 10 nothing run. They win the game 69-58 to uh, over Virginia Tech. And the Tigers get a win that they needed. We talked in the preseason, Terrence, about how important this event would be, this NIT, because in the American, you're not getting great resume opportunities throughout the season, although Cincinnati looks a little bit better than expected, which is good, a good sign for that league this year. But the fact is Memphis needed to win tonight over Virginia Tech, a good Virginia Tech team. They got that win. 
And you know what's encouraging about this? With all the new pieces and the shiny toys, the constant that has been Penny Hardaway's defense in his tenure at Memphis comes through late in the game. This is a game where Imani Bates and Jalen Duran combined to go five for 17 from the field, and Memphis wins the game by double digits, gentlemen. They've had the number one defensive efficiency team in the country the last two seasons. Penny can coach D. The question's been, can they find a way to get shot makers? And now they have it. But what happens is those shot makers have an off day. Imani Bates has an off night. That defense is going to be able to carry him and at least keep it close. And do they have bodies? Boy, do they have bodies. Memphis filled to the brim with talent. They got 6'5 across uh, and up across the board and a, a beast inside in Jalen Durant. Like you said, they're going to defend, right? We know that they're going to, and they're, they're going to be in every game, and they got and they got a ton of guys. They got a deep bench. They'll be there and in. I think they'll make some noise come March. You know, I think they'll be a team that, that has a chance to upset anybody any given night because of the depth and the way they defend. And there might have been a chance that I I'm not going to say misevaluated, but had a hard time seeing what he what Imani Bates could do watching him last summer because they're playing three and four games a day. I mean, you think about it. The kid's tired. He was a little slender. He's put on some weight since he's been at Memphis. You're getting his full effort every game. I might have missed. I'm not saying I missed. He was still top five player in the country. But, like, like he, like he, I, I, I was a little hesitant because his effort wasn't what you would hope it would be at times. But he's talented, and he can get his shot whenever he wants. He didn't hit him tonight, especially in the first half, but he got going. I wonder if that's the reason why he went to Memphis to dispel that because I think that was a lot of the the negative publicity mm. about him was that he was, you know, he would he defend and he kind of turned it on when he wanted to. And knowing mm-hmm. the reputation that Memphis has, I wonder if that was the reason he went to Memphis to kind of dispel that, you know, that that rumor or that concern about him. Like, hey, if I go to Memphis and I do this, we're going to be among the elite defensive teams in the country. And then offensively, we know he's talented. But again, he had an off night tonight and he still won against a really good Virginia Tech team. Can Memphis overcome being inconsistent in the backcourt? I'll let you take that one, RC. Yeah. I'll I, I say this. You can do it if you don't turn it over. That's because they, if you don't turn the basketball over, you can play. It's like the conversation we've had with Michigan State. One of the biggest issues we have with Michigan State, and we've had this conversation before and again today, there's two starting point guards combined for nine turnovers. So if you don't turn the basketball over and you give yourself a chance to the way Memphis defends, because the length that they have and the athleticism that they have, those guys are too talented not to score. They're not going to play game. They're not going to have offensive games like that. Though, you know, Doran and and Monty Bates were limited with foul trouble in the first half. Mm -hmm. And they still was able to come out and, you know, and build on that the second half and, and kind of put it together and win the game. So, that's a big win for Memphis. That's not a, you know, we know, you know, Virginia Tech is a well-coached team. They're going to play hard. But credit to them, if they don't turn it over and answer your question, they got a shot. And to elaborate on that point, I love that point, Randolph. Like, not only don't turn it over, you can turn the ball over as long as they're not live ball turnovers. Yeah. Meaning, like, get a steal, get out of passing lanes, get an easy layup. Like, if they turn it over and they throw it off their foot, whatever. That's fine. Because, you know, if you're able to get back on defense, I mean, you got to love your chances going right. to that game. And they have so much length and they're strong. And a guy that we don't even talk about that was a top 20 player in his class, Earl Timberlake. Like, yes. we don't He's even a rotational talk about guy. He's a rotation guy. Like, that team is just so talented and they're overwhelming. Yeah. I think that's the big thing. They're overwhelming physically. Yeah. And that alone is going to win them AAC games. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's when you level up. And tomorrow they'll – They'll play an Iowa State team that has surprised. I mean, Iowa State's 5-0. and They beat Xavier tonight. Uh, you got a new staff there. Cyclones, that's an interesting start to the season for them. For Memphis, prime opportunity to, hey, you, again, this Feast Week is so great, and how could you not love Feast Week? But this Memphis team has a chance for a big confidence booster. You, you come out with a trophy, I don't care what event you're playing in. You know, and what, what level it is. It's, it's not the battle for Atlantis Field, but you take a trophy back to campus and you say to yourself, this is what we can be, guys. That matters, especially for a team with, again, a lot of shiny toys. Um, but I think, I think 
you got to bet on the fact that Duran and Bates are only going to continue to 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 pick up traction. Absolutely. I, I would say though, when you don't have a playmaking guard, it's hard again for freshmen to just do it. Right. But they're so talented in so many different ways. I think they they, they got so much size. I mean, they could come in and bring it and play Earl at the point and just be massive. I mean, they, they, they have so much flexibility. I like them because I think those two guys are tired of hearing about all the other freshmen. And it's almost like we're not talking about them as much. You know, everything is Chet, everything is Paulo and Jabari. And mm-hmm. then it's them. Yeah. I, I think collectively together, I think they hear that. I think they hear the noise surrounding them. Even tonight, coming out in, in a big game against Virginia Tech, not playing well. I think they'll respond. I think you'll, you'll get a better game from those guys. It wouldn't shock me if they don't score over 35 to 40 points combined tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. All right, you guys ready for tippins? Ready for tippins? Let's so do it. Tippins is our rapid fire. We're looking for brief answers. We don't have a clock. It's not sponsored by anyone. Our show is sponsored by Bet Rivers, by the way. Thank you to Bet Rivers for sponsoring Field of 68 After Dark. Coming up in just mere seconds, we're going to dive into Thanksgiving dinner foods compared to college basketball teams. That's coming. But first, first <laughs> here we go. Um, Terrence Oglesby, Michigan or Michigan State, who do you trust more in the long run? I'm going to Michigan. One answer, one answer only, Hunter Dickinson. Bet one of the best five men in the entire country, and he'll help feed figure it out the rest of his teammates. Caleb Houston's coming along. It's going to take him some time, but Hunter Dickinson's going to help uh, alleviate that process. Randolph? I'll say the same. I agree. I think it'll be Michigan. I- I'm concerned, though. I- 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 at least I like the ability of Michigan State. I think we know what they are, right? There's got to be a different guy showing up every night. You know, Hunter needs to score more and set things up. Marcus Bingham is just a defender rebound. And if he can do that 10 to double-double game, we know he can do that. I like the other pieces. There's, there's a lot of inconsistency with Michigan right now offensively. I think Michigan, we know they're going to defend. I don't know if we can say that quite yet with, uh, with, Mich- with Michigan. Michigan State's going to guard. Randolph, they're both spectacular. If you had to take one with you, Paolo or Chet? Paolo. I'm on record for that. I, 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 I'll say this. I just think he's physically, if you were to take everything around, I think he's physically more dominant at this point. And I think that's the difference. I think it's, Chad is great. You know, we're splitting half a dozen here. Half, and I, I think, but I do think the physicality, Timmy helps him out quite a bit and alleviates that pressure off him. He doesn't have to deal with that. Whereas I think Duke, when they put Paulo at the five, I think then you're going to see them be – they're going to be difficult to guard at that point. I'm going Paolo, but I, I'm just going to say this. Chet was terrific against UCLA. Man, he was so good. Man, his recovery time with his length and his athleticism and quickness, I don't care if he weighs about 55 at seven foot two or whatever it is. He was so good. At, and he's just, it goes along with what you say, Randolph, like, so good in help side situations. The Secondary problem that he's yeah. run into it, the problem that he's run into when people try to put him in the bucket. Yes. That's when that's been an issue. I don't know that that's going to be an issue with Paolo because, man, he's put together like a brick. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like a brick shit house is what we call it in Tennessee. <laughs> like, he is put together like he's crazy. He's a grown ass man. Grown ass. And man. like, and not only that, he's. You know, when I don't know how to say it, like Chet, he makes his moves are really loopy and all that stuff. Paolo makes that move, whack, gone. And then as soon as they start scheming, he's a good enough passer to get it out there and put it on target. They're going to have to hit shots. Joey Baker's a big key for Duke. Going to have to hit shots. You got to be a maker. Can't just be a shooter, Randolph. You got to be a maker. Joey Baker hasn't been a maker since he's been in Durham. Eventually, you're going to have to hit shots. You got to pretty shot, make shots. Got to hit shots. Paolo Bancaro needs him. But, man, he is terrific, Paolo Bancaro. Just quick, strong, physical, doesn't have the same limitations that Chet does. Give me Paolo. I worry about him off the ball guarding as well. Yep. On a small ball force. And Chet inside against bigger guys. So they, I think they both have those concerns as they move forward. Yeah, and, and this is – it's tough to say this because you don't want it to be a reflection on the guy. But let's face it, 
Chet has Andrew Nemhard. And yes. he has the National yes. Player of the Year on his team. He has Drew Timmy. Paolo Nicaro right. could be inserted into an NBA game right now yeah. and could play eight minutes. And that right. would be an accomplishment for someone his age. And I actually think that he could do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paolo Bancaro is an NBA player playing the game right of college basketball at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to see a little – I still have to see more from Chet on how he handles certain situations, although he was spectacular last night. Okay, let's dive in here with predictions. Battle for Atlantis is our focus here tomorrow. UConn and Michigan State – I think we would all pick Baylor over VCU, so we will not pick that game. Let's go UConn-Michigan State here. This is the game of the day in the sport, uh, I think, in in my mind, heading into tomorrow. Terrence, who you got? I got UConn, man. So many shot makers. So many shot makers. I just – R.J. Cole is just so solid. And when you take it down position for position, Michigan State might be bigger. But R.J. Cole is a difference maker at the point guard position for UConn. He was excellent today. I will say this, though. Double OT in an MTE, and you're having to play 24 hours later, that's going to be tough. That's going to be really, really tough. But Adama Sanogo, 30 points, six boards. He was terrific. He's going to have his way with Bingham Jr. I know Bingham Jr.'s long. He blocked some shots. But Sanogo has such an ability to get his shoulders on top of the defense's shoulders. He's so strong and so physical. Uh, give me UConn in that game. And, and I think it's going to be a heck of a matchup between UConn and Baylor in that finals game. I mean, Baylor's going to just run rough shot right through uh, VCU. It, it might not be too pretty. But Baylor's length on the wings is game-changing. Yep. Uh, it, it like it is unbelievable. The two freshmen they have, Brown and Sochan, those guys are pros. They are. I, I mean, Brown looks the part, man. Like I, I, he walks in the gym, and you're like, yeah. I talked to Coach Dean. You know Antonio Reynolds, Dean RC, one of the yes, best, one of the nicest guys in the business, one of the nicest guys, assistant coach at Clemson. We talked about it. He said, "Man, when a pro walks in the gym, you know it right away. You know it. You know it. When Brown walks in the gym, you know it's a pro." They, I mean, Baylor is just as good. They, they don't have the guard play, but they're just as dangerous because the length on the wings defensively is tough. I'm torn in that in that game. Actually, if if I if I was comfortable with Michigan guard Michigan State's guard play, I I I I would I would take them. I, I really would. I, I think they can. They're going to guard. They're going to junk the game up. I think. I think. Marcus Bingham is going to be a problem. I don't think Sonogo is going to, going to go for 30. I think he's going to struggle against that length. If he can stay out of foul trouble, we don't know who's going to step up for Michigan State, but that's part of what makes their team what it is. Mm-hmm. The only thing that concerns me is that, again, I, I mean, you know, Tyson, you know, Tyson uh, Walker and, and A.J. Hogarth are just turning the ball over at a high level that they're not talented enough offensively to overcome how loose those guys are with the ball. I would love to pick Michigan State here, but I'm going to have to go with UConn. And I need Hauser to step up too. Joey Hauser has to be a guy that the more needs to be. He's another one of these older statements that, you know, statements that we have to say, hey, you got to – I need to know what I'm getting from you. You know, from a guy I thought that was going to be better offensively for Michigan State, he's not that now. He looks like a guy that's lost confidence and, and doesn't understand his role in that team right now. He looks like he doesn't fit, and he's, he's more talented than that. Yeah, I, I like UConn in this game as well, and the reason for it is R.J. Cole's the best guard in this game, yep. and Jordan yes. Hawkins benefits because of that. Yes, Jordan absolutely. Hawkins had 16 points, 15 points in 16 minutes Ten today, minutes. And, and he's able to benefit off of Cole's creativity. I would like UConn's backcourt a little bit more than Michigan State's. I don't think Sonogo plays as well. I don't think it's a 115-109 to 109 game. It certainly won't be. It'll be closer in the 60s. I think it's close, but I like Connecticut and their ways of scoring the ball a little bit more than I like Michigan State. And that is Tippins here as we get down to the final three minutes of the show. Are you gentlemen ready for the 2021 Field of 68 visit to the Thanksgiving table where I have a comparison of college basketball teams to Thanksgiving dinner items? Are you ready? I've, I've, ne- I've never been more fired up for this. <laughs> I've never been more fired up. I might have to take my glasses off. Like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what? Is that serious? <laughs> Here we go. It's the Field of 68 
Thanksgiving, where we compare Thanksgiving food items to college basketball teams, the turkey, Gonzaga. They are the class of the sport. They've won 68 in their last 71 games. They are the big bird of college basketball that is at the center of the table, and everyone's looking up to them. They have Drew Timmy and Shed Holmgren. They have the total package. Whatever part of the turkey you want, Gonzaga has every piece and part. The Zags are the big bird on the table, and deservedly so. The gravy, Purdue, silky smooth, so strong tasting, the perfect offensive formula. (laughs) Great mix that, that just makes you love gravy. Matt Painter's offense is as smooth as the gravy that you pour on to that turkey. Could this be the year of the boilers? There are many Thanksgiving meals where the gravy is the highlight. Maybe this year, Purdue is the highlight of college hoops. The stuffing, the stuffing inside the turkey, three teams, Duke, UCLA, and Baylor. Duke for their physicality inside. I love the length that they have defensively. They will stuff you. The Blue Devils are right there. And stuffing is so traditional. Coach K, in his last ride, fits that mold. UCLA, one of the great brands in college basketball history. You can count on them to be there in the Elite Eight or to be there in the Final Four. The Bruins are going to be A-OK. And Baylor. I mean, let's give that coaching staff a world of credit. Because down in Waco, the Bears have built up one of the great dynasties in the sport. I mean that when I say that. They are here to stay. They're going to be very good for a long time. I love the Baylor Bears and everything that they're doing. That team is freaking good again, and they belong in the stuffing category of college basketball. Let's continue. Sweet potato casserole with marshmallows. Sweet potato casserole with marshmallows. Kentucky and Texas. Kentucky and Texas. Because the sweet potato casserole is something that's not always a constant. Some years it's really, really good. Some years it's like, ah, it was okay this time around. Kentucky, though, has a sweetness to it. And so does Texas. Texas with their depth. Texas with their different (laughs) options. Kentucky, I love Tai Tai. I love Calipari. I like the fact that they kind of changed this year. I think sweet potato casserole is kind of that X factor to a Thanksgiving meal. The Wildcats. They've got some X-Factor players, and there's some sweetness to both of those rosters. The Crescent Rolls and Butter at the Thanksgiving table, Villanova. Villanova is bread and butter. They're not sexy. They're not flashy. They just win. Jay Wright just wins. Colin Gillespie is not the player um, <laughs> that maybe you're seeing at the top of every headline because he's not, the, he's not this huge talker. He just freaking wins games. And guess what? You need Crescent Rolls and Butter on your Thanksgiving table. Because without them, it's not as enjoyable. The green bean casserole is Kansas, another traditional big brand. You can count on Kansas to be there. That green bean casserole delivers in your Thanksgiving meal. And I I like the fact that Kansas is a team that has David McCormick to hold things down, but also has that element of Remy Martin coming into this program and consistency uh, around him that that I like. And I think Ochai Agbaji is a smooth, smooth side on a Thanksgiving dinner table. And that's why I went with the Jayhawks with green bean casserole. Cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce you could go without. You could also live with, right? Not everybody loves cranberry sauce. This year's cranberry sauce is St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure is the team that has emerged in college basketball. They're the mid-major that's the X-factor of the country. The Bonnies are the cranberry sauce. The pumpkin and pecan pies the Southeastern Conference, where it just means more. You better have great dessert at your Thanksgiving dinner. The SEC is sweet. It is so sweet. You have big-time teams, big-time talent. Think about Musbus in Arkansas. They just won that Hall of Fame Classic. Think about Kentucky. You think about Tennessee. They're going to be They're going to be fine. Um, think about Alabama, what Nate Oates has done. The SEC, guys, is sweetness. And last but not least... No Thanksgiving meal can be great unless you can go to it the next day. The turkey sandwich the next day is the Big East. The Big East, uh, which, which was threatened in 2013, you can always count on those schools that have been left over and form their own league, and it has impressed. 
And sometimes the turkey sandwich the next day is just as good, if not better, than the turkey on Thanksgiving. And the Big East is off to a better start than expected. That's your Thanksgiving meal. Can I add a, can I add a side? Can I add a side? Can I add one side? That is fantastic work. That's, that's big time. That is that's fantastic big work. That's big time, can, I, can, I, can I add one side? Because I'm from the South, and we had this argument the other day. The mac and cheese. You know who the mac and cheese is? North Carolina. Because you like it when you're young, and the older you get, you just get sick of them. Because <laughs> you're tired of everybody making it and everybody talking about it. You just get sick of it. Hey, T.O., you, you're giving them too much credit. You liked them. I didn't like them when I was young. And I well, well there you go. <laughs> hey, excellent work, man. You, That's big man, time, John. Fanta, you the mailman. Always delivers. Thank always you, delivers. And finally, the alcohol of your choice on Thanksgiving oh. is, is West Virginia. Yes, and it's Tito's. The local, the local flavor. <laughs> From all of us at the Field of 58 for Terrence Oglesby, for Randolph Childress, I'm John Fanta. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.